0: Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane, I'm a mother of two living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. This week, I interview organizational coach, Jennifer Burnham. Today, she will be speaking to the what and the why behind saying yes. As a culture, we've become so accustomed to busy. We believe that the more we say yes, the more we will become better mothers, better wives, better friends, better volunteers, everything will be better. It's impossible to keep up the charade. Very few of us, if anyone, can balance all the invitations to busy that come our way. Busy ends up leaving us feeling bankrupt of ourselves. Before we get to the interview with Jennifer, I wanted to remind you all to leave a rating and review on iTunes if you haven't done that yet. It helps others find this podcast and to encourage them in their minimalist pursuit. I wanted to share one of the latest reviews from Kat. She says, love. Every episode is filled with practical tips to reduce stress and enjoy life more. The interviews are thoughtful and engaging, and I was so excited to see Gretchen Rubin featured. So again, I so appreciate all the feedback on Instagram and on iTunes and it just brings such a smile to my face and I read through everything that you all say. So again, head over to iTunes if you haven't left a review and I'd so appreciate it. Now for the interview with Jennifer.
1: Hi Jennifer, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing so good. How are you, Diane? I'm doing well. I have a bit of a cold, so that's why I sound kind of stuffy, but other than that, I'm doing well. Well, at least the weather's nice. Oh my goodness. Yes, it is. Where are you located again? So I live in Gastonia, North Carolina,
2: um, okay. which is not far from Charlotte.
1: Okay. We're in Ohio, and the weather is actually 80 and sunny here today, so I was kind of surprised.
2: That's oh, kind of right.
1: hot. <laughs> yeah. it was. It's too hot for my taste, but my kids are loving it, so at least to yeah. get them out of the house.
2: <laughs> I mean, it feels like summer is pretty much here. It was really nice and cool this morning, but it's kind of warmed up a lot this afternoon, but I'll take it. It's better than being cold.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I told listeners a little bit about who you are in the beginning intro, but I want to give you the opportunity to tell them who you are and what it is that you do. Perfect. So
2: I am an organization coach and I was having a conversation with someone last week about the difference between a professional organizer and an organization coach. And honestly, the thought never even crossed my mind until the person said this. Um, So whenever I started my business, I felt like I was doing it all wrong. I was working with clients on understanding the meaning of their stuff and really focused on decluttering and letting go of their excess. Meanwhile, everyone else in my industry were buying all these containers and these labels and everything sort of looked like a real simple magazine photo shoot. And I really thought, man, I must be doing something wrong because I never get to that point. Like hardly ever do we get to the end and we step back and kind of marvel at our excellence. And then I realized there's a bit of a difference. Um, In our society, we've over-glamorized organization and while I certainly think that baskets and containers and labels and everything are very helpful to organizing, none of that stuff really matters if we don't understand the meaning of the stuff and why we were keeping it and really changing our relationship with our stuff. And so that is what I do um, on a weekly and monthly basis with clients is help them kind of unpack what they have and why Um, And then how I kind of got here was I've just always been organized. I did not even know that that was a thing until I got to college. And I would look around and I'm thinking, you people live like pigs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I thought I wanted to be a college professor when I grew up, and I was in grad school. um, And I realized that the closest PhD program for marketing was in Atlanta, Georgia and at that time I was 25 and I thought, "Oh my god, I'm so old. I can't move to Atlanta." <laughs> so I freaked out a little bit. All of my friends were starting their careers and buying homes and settling down talking about having families and I was single, unemployed, grad student living in a tiny apartment with my dog. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I done with my life? So when I was in grad school, um, I had a coach and I use those words lightly. I think she was more of like a professional development counselor. I just can't think of her exact title. Mm -hmm. And she asked me the first day that we worked together, she asked me the question of, if you didn't have to worry about anything, you know, money, bills, health insurance, you know, what would you do with your life? And I was so embarrassed to say it, but I told her, I said, Robin, you know, my favorite thing to do is organize, but that just could not be a thing. When she was not at all interested in my excuses as to why I couldn't be an organizer and why I wouldn't make it as an entrepreneur. So she just kept giving me weekly assignments and I kept doing them. And by the time I graduated graduate school a year and a half later, I had decided that I was going to start the business. And uh, that was nine years ago.
1: Wow. That's, an, I love your story. And I think that I've had similar conversations with just, um, I graduated college and I went right into mommyhood, honestly, and Mm. I feel so behind sometimes. I'm 30 and I think after this baby, I might even want one more, but I just, it's so daunting to say like, oh, am I going to start the workforce at 38 or 40? (laughs) But time is going to pass anyway. So even though you felt like 25 was older than you would have liked to be, it's like the time's going to pass whether or not I am pursuing this or not. So why not pursue what I want? That's just kind of how I feel about that.
2: Yeah. And it's so funny because I don't have any children. And so we're, we've we lightly talked about maybe having one mm-hmm. and I feel already so behind in that game. So it's like having straight hair and curly hair. If I had straight hair and you had curly hair, I would say, man, Diane, I really love your curly hair. And you're like, oh man, I really wish my hair was straight. So it's always like the grass is greener, but... It's never that way.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can relate to that as well. So you said you were really organized, but I think that there is, I was telling my mother this the other day, that there is a difference between organized and decluttering, and I think that both of them encompass minimalism. So would you describe yourself as a minimalist?
2: Yeah, I would. So... If you look at my home, and I know that you've interviewed uh, Michael mm-hmm. on here before, so I love her term, the cozy minimalist. Um, while I don't want like stark nothing, I do really walk around my house and I'm constantly asking the question, you know, do we use this? Do we love it? Um, why do we have it? Is it time to let it go? Has it you know seen its best days with us and it needs to go and spend time with someone else? But In terms of my definition of minimalism, it really is having a low amount of stuff in my home that we aren't using. And um, the minimalists, I love their definition where they say minimalism is a tool to rid yourself of life's excess in favor of focusing on what's important Mm -hmm. so you can find happiness, fulfillment, and freedom. I do think that There's freedom on the other side of stuff, and there's also freedom on the other side of being busy, which I know we'll talk about in a minute. Um, So, yeah, I would call myself a minimalist.
1: Would you say that your husband is on board with this as well?
2: He is. So, luckily for me, we've been dating since we were 17, so it wasn't ever really a shock to his system. Mm -hmm. Uh, he wasn't, you know, a 20 something year old guy who was living with all this stuff and then and I come and like, let's get rid of it. But we are either like our parents or we're the exact opposite of what we saw growing up. We tend to not really operate much in the middle. And for Raymond, um, his mom definitely likes things and he saw sort of the weight that that put on his family. So he, he's the opposite of her, which is really great for me because if he liked to hold on to stuff, we probably wouldn't still be together.
1: <laughs> I understand that for sure. I think it could be a generational thing. Cause I have, um, my husband's grandparents who were kind of like my in-laws, they really like their things as well. And I just, I was talking to someone on one of my last episodes, just maybe their parents grew up during the great depression and they wanted to hold on tightly to things. So, Yeah, not going on a big tangent, but I think that that could just be a generational thing. Who knows?
2: It really is. So the way that we feel about our things is really like a history lesson. It starts with the Great Depression and how they felt about stuff was passed down. And it's starting to dwindle, but it's still in at least our parents. And then when you look at the 40s and 50s, marketers decided to sell furniture as investment and legacy pieces so they if you look at any old like newspapers or magazines from that time they'll talk about how you should buy this curio cabinet and pass it down and it'll stay in your family for years and it'll be worth money and that's why the older generation puts more weight on their stuff because they kind of bought into this marketing story and as the younger generation comes along they really don't want to be so weighted down by all these things and there is a there's this gap between you know and my grandparents for example feeling that us young folks are disrespecting them and their things because we don't want them and us younger folks saying well I don't want it because grandma I want to go travel or what have you so you're right it's definitely
1: generational Oh, absolutely. I'm glad that you shared that. That was interesting. All right, so we talked a little bit about you and what has made you a minimalist and kind of your journey there. But I want to get into one of our main topics that I had you coming on here for talking about our culture of busy and mm-hmm. when we say yes to everything, it really ends up doing us a disservice. So, You're passionate about helping people not only declutter their homes, but their schedules. And it's evident that we are taking on far too much in this day and age. And there's that badge, the invisible badge of honor for remaining busy. So how would you say we should discern what should be a top priority if all of the options sound good?
2: so busy is a choice and it's of the ego and the ego isn't the you know I feel so great about myself it's that voice within our head that really keeps us in a certain place and not always the best place so the ego is the one that tends to tell us that all these options sound good but one of the best tips that I could give someone is to walk out the decision so for example um you're asked to be on the PTO committee at school, at your kid's school. And so they've fairly given you an idea of what that would involve. You know, walk that out. And what does that decision look like? So how is that going to affect my weekly calendar? How is that going to affect my monthly calendar? What is the big events that they have scheduled? Um, How much time are those events going to take? And just see if it's where you want to go. I'll be more specific too about myself. I had a friend ask me, We were going to dinner once a month last year, and um, I operate from a plant-based lifestyle, so eating out isn't um, necessarily easy for me. I tend to just be like, let's cook. So instead of doing that in 2019, I asked her if she wanted to go to the gym. That was something that we had talked about last year. Well, without really thinking about it, I committed to going every week with her, and I didn't walk that decision out. In January, it was fine, but now we're in you know, towards the middle of the year and that decision isn't working so well on my calendar. So when we really stop before we say yes or no and say, okay, what is this going to look like and how is that going to feel? And the second thing is is everything can't be a priority. Uh, we innately know what is a priority and it's just like order within our home. I've asked. I've been asked before. Well, aren't there certain types of people who are organized? No, we all want order. That's just you know, he, order is heaven's first law, and we all crave white space. We crave this unhurried life. So, when we really take an honest look at what are our priorities, it starts to make it easy to determine what is good. And what just sounds good. So it sounds good to be involved in all of these things, and it makes me sound like a really great person. But if I'm exhausted and depleted, then it's not worth it.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, we have to remember that every time we say yes, we're making a commitment to something and to someone. And so if our yes is really a no, I feel like not only do we let ourselves down, but we're also letting. Others down because we're not fully committed. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. There's
2: also this fallacy of time and money. We tend to think that we operate from this place that time is unlimited. But we also tend to think that money is limited. And the reality is, is we have it backwards. So money is not limited. In fact, it's unlimited. They print it every day. But time is our only limited resource. So when we really flip the switch on what we put the value on, instead of valuing our money as much as we do, we should really start to value our time and think, who do I want to be and how do I want to live? It's It's not enough to just be busy. We have to stop and ask ourselves, what am I busy about and why? Am am I busy because I don't want to hurt someone's feelings and tell them no? Am I busy because it's my ego saying, man, you're such a great mom and daughter and church goer and all these things? I mean, that sounds really good, but if it doesn't feel good, then there's a difference and there's a disconnect.
1: Mm. No, I Yes, I totally agree. So it can be really difficult for certain types of personalities to refuse to do things because they're people pleasers. So even if that means putting someone else's priorities before our priorities, they have a sense of duty or maybe a guilt or fear of hurting someone. So for these individuals, how would you say they should address saying no?
2: (sighs) So women for sure are the world's best people pleasers. And it really comes from like that little girl inside of us who had her feelings hurt. And so we say yes to so many people because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings because we know what it feels like and it never feels good. But when you say yes to someone else, you inadvertently are saying no to yourself. You know, the saying of there's two sides to the same coin, well, yes and no are two sides to the same coin. So if you're giving someone a yes, then you're getting your own no. And when you do that, subconsciously, you're telling yourself that you're not worth as much as they are or whatever they're asking is worth more than whatever you were wanting to do, whether it be take a nap or you know go on a hike with your husband. So when we kind of get around not caring quite so much as to what other people think and, and moving past that, there's also the art of saying no. <laughs> this is really where we've kind of gotten it wrong. Either we don't know how to do it or we do it in this way that's kind of cold and off putting. And then that's really what keeps us continuing to say yes. You can still let people down gently. But when you do that, honor yourself with integrity. So if you say, you know, I thank you so much for thinking about me and inviting me to this bridal shower. It sounds really great. And I'm sure it's going to be a good time. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it. Or you can say something like, unfortunately, it just won't work in my calendar, but um, I hope you have a really great time. So there's a way that you can honor yourself without coming up with a bunch of excuses You don't always have to qualify, but when you find yourself qualifying the no, that's when you get in trouble. Mm -hmm. You're coming up with excuses. Oh, I can't because I'm sick. Or, um, you know, my kid has a birthday party to go to. And then that's sort of towing the line maybe a little on lying. And that's when no starts to feel really icky. So when we're just honest with ourselves and honest with the other person without being mean and saying, you know, hey, I don't want to go to your thing or I don't want to commit to this, you know gym thing with you. The spirit in each of you kind of honors one another and and they say, okay. And if they don't, then that's okay too. I mean, it's their reaction. Isn't our responsibility.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking of someone that would kind of poke and prod. So if you were to respond in a kind manner, but they're like, well, what do you have going on that you can't attend to my bridal shower? And You don't say that you just don't actually feel like going. Maybe they're not as close to you as um, maybe it's not a close relationship. So how would you respond? I know this is kind of off the cuff, but how would you respond to someone like that?
2: You know, it's funny because our our ego, our brain thinks that people are going to respond like that. And most of the time they don't. They would if we started to qualify. Mm-hmm. So let's say, oh, well, I'm really busy right now and I just can't. well, what about next week? And you're like, oh, man, I should have just told them no to start with. But if someone does start to poke and prod, then just be honest and say, you know, I've really said yes to too much stuff and I'm feeling a little weighted down. I just need to rein it back in and focusing on my husband and my kids right now. And I'm going to start to incorporate things in the future. But right now I really just need to like take some time for myself. I would find it really hard for someone to be like, wow, you're so selfish. I can't believe you said that. Inside, they're probably thinking I should do the same.
1: No, I I would agree. I just wanted to take it to that next level because I know some people pleasers are very, (laughs) they are fearful of that, of the retaliation or just the, the remark that someone might make. And I think that can make them say yes to things that they wouldn't necessarily want to say yes to. Yeah.
2: I mean, we really don't want to feel like we're messing up relationships by disappointing people. And that's really what it boils down to. You know, I don't want someone to not like me because I said no. And I I mean, is that worth it? Not always. Mm -hmm. and. There are certain things, you know, and helping and giving and saying yes to families, you know, all of that can be taken to an unhealthy extreme. Too much of a good thing can be a bad thing, but we generally can feel when we've gone too far over the line of it being unhealthy or not good for us. But we've also kind of lost touch with how our emotions and how we're feeling. We just react so much to life because we go so fast. And if we really slowed it down and started to tune in to our intuition and our feelings, then those can really guide us far better than caring what other people think.
1: Mm -hmm. So when do you think it becomes selfish to balance my needs versus someone else's needs? Because I think it is important to sometimes do the thing that we don't necessarily want to do out of respect or out of, just like compassion or wanting to help someone else, even if it might not align exactly with what we want, when do you think it becomes selfish to balance that?
2: So I love that question. The definition of selfish is when you're concerned chiefly with your own personal profit or pleasure. Um, One great example. So funerals, they happen and they usually come up when a time that we're not planning if it's someone that's close to you or a family member or someone who meant a lot to your family and you don't go because you wanted to do yard work, that's probably when, you know, you're saying you're being a little too selfish <laughs> in your own regards. But it's important to think about our time, right? Like we only have so much of it. And we're not all that good at planning it. Um, I've found that we're pretty good at managing like on a high level stuff that we have going on. But from a weekly or a two week standpoint, we don't manage our time very well. So there's pockets in there that we're wasting um, and you won't get it back because it's limited. So if we really rein it in, pay attention to our priorities and then look to see, all right, well, my daughter is asking me to help with her homework. Okay. Well, that would be really selfish if I was like, well, mommy needs to take a bubble bath. Um, but if your friend is calling for the third time this week, because you know her husband, whatever blew up with on her again, and she just needs some consoling. Well, then maybe you just don't answer the call that mm-hmm. time. And because you need to take some time for yourself, or you need to spend time with your kids and help them with their homework. Again, it goes back to kind of that in, intuition. We generally know when we're being selfish. Like if I'm going to stay home and do yard work and not go to a funeral, mm, that doesn't feel very good. But if I'm answering a call for my friend who's kind of just a little needy and I'm not spending time with my family, I need to be a little bit more selfish with that person and and take my time back.
1: Mm-hmm. I find when I ask myself like various questions like, how much of my time do I need to commit to this? What do I genuinely genuinely want to invest in this? What are my needs in this? Like if you start asking yourself these questions on a regular basis when you're saying yes to something, I think I find that really helpful. But we were talking about our schedules and time and how we aren't great managers of our time, and so I was just thinking about how simplifying our life shouldn't mean maintaining that current pace of our schedule, and I saw recently on Instagram you posted a quote. Your quote said, instead of slowing down and assessing where our train is going, we throw in more coal so we can do more faster, and I loved this, and it's obviously the opposite of what we're trying to achieve with minimalism and simplification, so Would you say that our current pace is just a matter of using our time poorly, or is it really a lack of assessment with, quote unquote, where our train is going? I actually think
2: that it's both. So I will have conversations with women and they'll say, okay, just tell me what to buy on Amazon and I'll get it for the garage and then I'll call you over and we'll get it organized. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly how this works. Like you're skipping a whole really important step. It's the same with time. I I teach workshops on time management and I love the reaction because everyone thinks that I'm coming in and I'm going to give them this hot tip that they don't know about or this great app that really gonna help them manage their time better and and get more done. And then I come in and talk about the yes and the no and what are we saying yes to and why and pulling that back and living an unhurried life. And they look at me like, huh, did not see that coming. Because it's basically the same thing. It's not so much about how to be more efficient with our time. It's first we need to see what are we saying yes to and why, and then how do we use our time more efficiently? So the symptoms of misplaced priorities are when we're busy, but we're always hurrying and rushing, or there's a lot of stuff in our house. Your clutter is definitely a, a side effect of being too busy. Um, Another symptom is when we're anxious or we have financial problems or just feel under pressure, eating out a lot, watching a lot of TV. Those are signs and signals that we're not doing something right. And it's usually coming back to the time of when it comes to the simplification of our home, it also is the simplification of our life we all like white space. I mean, when we were kids, we loved having a wide open weekend to do whatever we want. And now we're so connected and we go so fast and we buy at this rapid pace. Fast fashion is, we could go off on a tangent on that. And I'm sure you've done many a tangent on the podcast, (laughs) but we just go so fast that we don't even stop to look around and say, where am I even going? And do I even want to go there? So yes, we need to learn how to use our calendar to connect where we are to where we want to go. But we also need to figure out, you know, what is, what is a priority in my life? And it's okay if it's only like three things, with, I think, a minimalistic journey, you know, when you pare it down to just the essentials, then you really start to figure out what do I want to add on? Do I want to add this back on? How does that make me feel? Do I want to add that back in? I don't know. Maybe. And then you try things out and you just start to pay attention and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that again. So then you just don't. Um, uh, one thing that I highly recommend that people do is a calendar audit. So look at the last 12 months or for us, we could just look at 2018 and go through the calendar and on a sheet of paper, just write out, was this thing worth my time or not worth my time? And at the end of the year, or at the end of the audit, look and see, okay, well, this stuff was worth my time. I want to keep saying yes to this, but it's really eye-opening to see all the stuff that you didn't feel was worth your time, and that can give you clues as to what to start to say no to in the future. And it's often A little bumpy before it gets really smooth when you are turning people down but they will stop expecting you to say yes when you start to say no to more eventually it just kind of falls back to this even pace Mm -hmm. because people keep calling when they know that you're going to say yes or they know you're going to answer the phone or you they know you're going to support their thing and there's also the conversation around boundaries we don't have boundaries. We we boundaries create tension. At least that's what we think they do. So we don't ever put them up, and we don't communicate them. Um, we think that they're walls, but in fact, they're like gates. They're fences with gates, and we let people in and out based on whether or not they're they've gone too far past the boundary. And when you start to set boundaries on your time and on your priorities. And that alone makes the biggest difference. And what are you saying yes to, and why?
1: Yeah, I I'm not sure if I'll leave this in or not because I it could be somewhat offensive to some people, but I'll tell you anyways. I last year looked back over my calendar. Well, I guess it was for 2017, and just saw that I was doing a lot of play dates with friends that were more acquaintances or that we just I wouldn't say surface level friendships because I am a pretty much an open book so I tr- like to dive deep quote unquote with people uh, mm-hmm. quickly However, I just felt like there were certain friendships that I'd see for playdates, and we were just kind of discussing surface level or repetitive things, and I was like, I would rather take this time and invest it in people that I'm going to continue to build upon the relationship with. And so I I can't even remember where I read this, but I did tiers, (laughs) T-I-E-R, tiers of friendships. I did one through three, and the (laughs) first tier was friends I want to see weekly, which really actually it only includes my my cousin, my sister, and my sister-in-law, and I make sure that I invest in them weekly. And then I have close friends that I want to see maybe monthly. And then the other ones I'm not going to necessarily pursue anymore. If they pursue me and I have time in my calendar for a play date, I'm happy. I'm happy to like include that into my schedule, but I was just I felt like I couldn't continue having all of these just kind of surfacy friendship acquaintances. And really invest in the people that I wanted to.
2: I don't. That know is if that, so powerful.
1: I don't know if it's wrong or not. I felt really bad. My husband's like, "You're giving these people the ax. and I'm like, "I'm not. I still love them." It's just I think there are seasons for various mm-hmm. friendships, and I, I mean, I really did. I went down on a pit, like pen and paper. I wrote down every single friend slash acquaintance that I had, and I put them into tears, and. Maybe some of those friends, some of them have moved to to tier three friends and some of them have popped up to tier two in this past year. So I don't know. I just think we don't have a ton of time, especially when we have littles. And if we are doing playdates, we're probably going to be more surface level Friends, if I was going to see my girlfriend once a week, I wanted to talk more heart level than surfacey things.
2: I think that is such a great idea.
1: Okay, well i i was i I've, I've never shared it on the podcast before because I felt like I would get hate mail for doing it. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> women want to. We just are nurturers, and so basically, breaking up with people. Doesn't feel good. You know we know what it's like to be broken up with boyfriends and such. It doesn't feel good. So that's why we tend to not do it, but yet we can't just keep adding to our plate without subtracting from it. It's like stuff coming in. you know the foundation of organization is very simple. a place for everything and everything in its place. The problem arises when stuff comes through the door and we don't know where it goes. So we put it on the counter, or we know where it goes and the place is full. So we put it on the counter. It's the same for stuff on our calendar. If things are coming in, but they're not going off at the same rate, it's not going to be balanced. Mm. We have to look for that balance. Same for friendships. We can't be a good friend and a mom and a daughter and a wife and all that to everybody. We we do have to prioritize. And that's okay. It doesn't feel like a good what a good person would do, but you're protecting your energy and that's okay.
1: Mm-hmm. No, and what's interesting is the some of the friendships or relationships that I had in the tier three, I mean, we don't, they haven't really reached out. I'm glad that I made this choice because I'm really investing in those first two tiers of people and that's where I wanted to focus my energy. So I find that interesting. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, this has been really insightful and I just, I know that I can use this on my own schedule and my own calendar. So I hope that listeners can do the same, but I wanted to ask you before we wrap things up in what areas are you currently thinking more and doing with less? So AKA, what is your personal minimalist moment of the week?
2: I love this. I would say clothes. I rotate seasonally. And when I was pulling out my summer clothes, I thought, well, you know, there's some room for improvement here because, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm learning to be content with what I have instead of wanting more. I want to find the joy in what I already have. There's a reason that I bought the stuff that I have and I want to find that joy Because when I have the joy in that, I don't want as much. And I'm thinking about doing another, like, no-spend month. I did one in February, and it was awesome. So I love doing it with clothes. Instead of buying more, I want to really love what I already have.
1: Mm -hmm. I thought about doing, for next year, only buying things that I've purchased secondhand for the whole year.
2: Mm -hmm. The majority of the things in my closet come from Goodwill or a thrift store. I... I am all about recycling in that way because it's so good for our planet.
1: Oh, it absolutely is. I love – and you can find some really great deals, so I love it. Agreed. All right. And then my second question for you is, what is one of your favorite minimalist resources? What is your resource of the week?
2: (laughs) So I laughed when I I read that question because immediately it was the Salvation Army Family Store, which is where I donate things that I don't want. Oh, (laughs) Getting rid of things is my favorite thing to do. I love to organize, but I really like getting rid of stuff more. And I'm constantly going around my house going, do we need this? No. And I love that it's a resource to donate things that are you know, still have wear um, available, but I just am not interested in them.
1: I think ours is a Volunteers of America. I am dropping bags or boxes by there constantly. This has been wonderful. I so appreciate you coming on and talking with us.
2: This has been great. Thank you so much for inviting me on.
0: Yeah. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks. You too. Thank you again to Jennifer for joining us on the podcast today. I felt as though our conversation was very genuine and authentic, and I just so enjoyed having her as a guest and encouraging us in how we schedule our days, our months, our years, just all of our time in general. If you're interested in connecting with Jennifer, head on over to Instagram. She is at the Jennifer Burnham over there, or she has a website under the same name. You can also work with her for coaching and all the information is there on her website as well as in the show notes. I invite you to keep the conversation going by visiting minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Facebook page, Instagram account, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.